Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. Uh, the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want you to consider this question today. Uh, what do I need to do to live the kind of life Jesus invites me to live? And I also want you to consider what are the things that I need to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and on a yearly basis if I'm really going to get serious about living the way I know God is calling me to live. I just want to be straightforward with you up, uh, up front today. Uh, the message today is going to be intensely focused. Uh, this is not a message about acquiring new information. Uh, this is not a message about uh, learning new stuff. This is about making a decision today because the vast majority of the people in our society, and more importantly, the vast majority of Christ followers, say the primary enemy of Jesus's way of life isn't opposition or persecution or threatened poverty or so on. It's just busyness. It's fatigue. It's overcommitment, saying yes to too much and running too fast. And so I want us to declare war on this today. I want us to say the time for living this insanely fast-paced life constantly in a hurry is just done. I want you to make a decision about this today. I want you to make a decision that you're going to be a different person starting today. And I want you to make a commitment today that no matter what opportunities it means passing up, you're going to get serious about living the way that God calls you to live. No matter what promotions you have to watch go to some less deserving person, no matter what aspects of your lifestyle you have to downsize, no matter uh, who it means you'll disappoint, no matter what legitimately good achievements you will miss out on, I want you to make a commitment to live a simpler, saner life even if it costs you money, even if it makes people mad at you, even if it feels kind of boring, even if it gets you fired. <laughs> at this point, are you feeling any hesitation about listening to the rest of this message? Here's the deal. I believe there is something we have to do today. It's a fundamental thing that we must do before we can make any commitment and have it last. Uh, and it has to last. It matters too much. There have been too many conversations for too many years on the part of too many people who have too much to offer the kingdom of God that just keep saying year after year, you know, I'm missing it. I'm not living the way that I know I should be living. I'm not getting to know God the way that I want to. My family is not being the family that it could be because I'm just too busy, it's got to change. There's one thing, I think just one thing, that we have to do before we make these commitments if they're going to last. I believe there's a reason why people don't get 
off the treadmill of hurry in our society. And the primary reason is fear. The primary reason people don't eliminate hurry from their lives is fear. We're afraid what it will mean. We're afraid that it will mean I have to say no to something that I really want so badly and saying no will feel like dying. I believe the problem is that people want a sane, unhurried, God-honoring way of life, but there's something else that they want more. Because if there wasn't something else they wanted more, they would be living that kind of life. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that complicated. And the writers of scripture use a word for this condition. And it's the word idolatry. Our way of life, uh, you understand, it indicates that at some level, we are idolaters. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And you can do that. I can do that. But our problem is we're afraid. If I really follow the way of Jesus, if I uh, really do ruthlessly eliminate hurry and this insane pace for my life, I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on what I want most. I'm afraid I won't get the corner office. I won't be the kind of contributor that I want to be. Uh, or I'll have to live with disapproval from people whose love and admiration I've got to have. Or I'll live with insecurity and anxiety because I'm not sure God will really take care of me. Now, I don't think you sit down and worship these things, these idols, like the Canaanites worshiped Baal. But when there's something in your life that prevents you from saying yes to what you know to be God's way of life, that something is an idol. And an idol has to be dethroned. One of the saddest statements about many of Israelites, uh, Israel's kings uh, that occurred many times in the Old Testament uh, was along these lines. This is uh, 1 Kings 22, uh, 43, about King uh, Jehoshaphat. But it's used in many of the places. In everything, he followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed and the people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. People had to take action to unmask and dethrone idols or in time, they would go back to them. And I think that's what happens. And so today is going to be about tearing down idols. And I want to look at four of the idols that I think threaten us most in our day. I'm going to look at a symbol for each one of them. And toward the end of the message, I'm gonna ask you to identify which one you wrestle with the most. And I'm gonna ask you if you are willing to make a commitment to dethrone it from your life, to tear it down, to root it out of your life. And I'm very serious about this. All right, the first symbol of an idol that I think claims an awful lot of us is a ladder. This is a picture of vocational achievement. It's a picture of your job or your career. 
It's not a bad thing to have work that you love. It's a good thing to give yourself to that. But in our society, we often are taught to idolize our work. If this is you, the primary reality in your life is that more than anything else, you want to climb that ladder. And the truth is that God or your family or pretty much everyone else gets the leftovers from you. There's a little voice inside of you that says, if you don't climb that ladder, you're gonna be one of those ordinary people. You're gonna be one of those insignificant mediocres. You wouldn't count, not really. If this is you, the truth is that uh, much, if not most of your identity and your self-esteem come from work accomplishments. Your spouse, if you're married, your children, if you have them, would say you work too many hours. You're gone from home too much. Work keeps you from prayer. Work keeps you from scripture. It keeps you from worship. It keeps you from serving. It keeps you from your family. And you intend to change, but somehow you never do. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how high can you climb? And will it ever be high enough? And do you ever think about what happens to really good ladder climbers in the long run? I wanna tell you about one of the greatest ladder climbers in the ancient world. Uh, he's found in Acts 12. His name is Herod. He was known as Herod Agrippa I. Uh, we've talked before about Herod the Great and how all of his sons were named Herod. Well, this particular Herod was the grandson of Herod the Great. Uh, he was the nephew of Herod Antipas. Uh, Herod Antipas is the one who wanted to kill Jesus. Uh, this is his nephew, Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa was very ambitious. He was a ladder climber, and he got his uncle Antipas one time to put him on the payroll. Uh, but he was so ambitious, he got in trouble for trying to expand his power by using bribes, and he ended up losing his job. Now, I know living in the US, the idea of nepotism and bribery and corruption in government comes as quite a shock, uh, but it happened sometimes in the ancient world. Uh, Agrippa wasn't through. He lost that job, and so he borrowed money. He went to Rome through flattery and other means, and he hitched his wagon to the star of a character named Caligula, who would become emperor and was not a very nice one. And when Caligula became emperor, he named Herod Agrippa king over all of his uncle Philip's old province in the Holy Land. Now this made the wife of Herod Antipas furious because Antipas had been serving for 40 years, but he was only called a tetrarch. He wasn't a king, he didn't have that title. And so she said to her husband, uh, you go tell your boss, you go tell Caesar that you want a better title. You want to be named king. You want to climb the ladder. And so Herod Antipas did what his wife said. He and his wife went to Rome and he told Caesar, you should make me uh, Herod Antipas king. Um, Caesar got mad and Antipas lost his job and the throne and was in exile where he eventually died. And guess who Caesar gave all of his territory and wealth and money and power to? Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa climbed the ladder as high as it could possibly be climbed. He was probably the most wealthy, powerful man 
in all of the Holy Land in the day of the New Testament church. This is how his life ends up. This is Acts 12, starting at the latter part of verse 19. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. So this is how powerful he has become. Foreign countries now are dependent on him. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not of a man. Have you ever had people say that to you at work? <laughs> like royal robes, sitting on a throne, this is the voice of a god. I mean, you don't climb ladders a whole lot higher than that. And then verse 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. <laughs> like in the end, the greatest ladder climbers that have ever lived, you supply the name and the face. In the end, they are food for worms. And there's so much deception with idols because I think the idols that we're talking about today, they're not obvious idols like Baal or Buddha or something like that. There's a common reaction from men and women in the corporate world who are workaholics. Uh, I hear it from Christians and non-Christians alike. I know a very successful business person who said it recently. He said, my family just doesn't appreciate me. I'm doing all of this for them. I'm paying for everything they need. They don't understand. I've got to be at work. I'd rather be at home more, but I can't. I know, I, I know some workaholics well enough to know that they really don't want to be home more. This guy has assistants who cater to his every need, subordinates who say yes to pretty much every suggestion. He has power, he has status, money, and prestige. At home, he has to do chores and run errands and listen to his wife and children complain about how much he's gone. He would much rather be at the office. The reality is, He's doing what he does at work for himself because of the way that it makes him feel or because of the way that he thinks that I've, got, that I've got to climb this ladder. I've got to climb high enough, just a little bit higher. The reality is he's scared to death of what his life would feel like if he didn't sit in that office anymore, if he had to get off of the ladder. The reality is he's afraid. And maybe for you, that's the idol that has to come down. So what do you need to do to tear down that idol? Now I'm gonna ask you to not be vague about this. A friend of mine was wrestling with this issue and he felt God was calling him to be home for dinner with his family every night of the week. And at that time, he had three children under the age of three. Uh, being home for dinner and bath time and bedtime with three kids under the age of three, to put it mildly, did not feed his drive for achievement. He's a partner at a private equity firm where working long hours is a part of the culture. And so he didn't know what this would mean for his job if he took this step. He just knew what it would mean for his marriage and his family and his soul if he didn't take it. It's real easy to quite vaguely say, 
Of course, my family is a priority above my work. Of course, I'm doing this for them. But he made that decision. He made it 15 years ago. And he says he has not regretted it one day of his life. Understand, this doesn't mean that you can't love your job. Uh, and of course, when you work, whether you uh, love it or whether it's uh, not really very thrilling to you at all, you ought to give it the best that you have when you're there. But don't give it time or energy or allegiance that keeps you from living the way of Christ. It's not worth it. The ladder, that ladder is not worth it. And maybe for you, that's the idol that needs to be torn down in your life. All right, the image for the second idol is a thumbs up. Do you know what this represents? Uh, this stands for the idol of approval. Because maybe the reality is you really live to try to gain the approval or at least avoid the disapproval of certain people in your life. And it feels to you like you would die if you didn't do that. And God and everything in your life gets the leftovers. Because if everyone is not giving you a thumbs up, uh, like if anyone is disappointed with you, your inner world gets shaky. I'll tell you what your life is like if this is your idol. Uh, this is a little loose. Uh, maybe you've never seen this show, but there's a TV show called The Gong Show. Uh, and if you're a millennial and you have no idea what The Gong Show is, uh, this was a show where people would perform. They would showcase their talent, a lot like America's Got Talent. And there would be a panel of judges sitting there evaluating them, except all the judges would just be waiting for an excuse to gong them, which was a humiliating thing. And the gong meant, you're not good enough. Get off the stage. Stop wasting our time. And we wonder, like, why would anyone put themselves through that? But the truth is, there are people who go through their whole life like that. Only it's like there is a little panel of judges in their mind. They think, I have to please my parents and my teachers, authority figures, my peers, my boss, other people that I work with, uh, other people in the field that I work in, my kids, and their whole life is about gong avoidance. If my house has to look perfect, I'll do whatever it takes. If my children have to be chauffeured to practices and lessons and games, even though it makes our family miserable and exhausted, I'll do it. If I have to say yes to commitments to make people happy with me, I will say yes. If it leaves me resentful, exhausted, prayerless, feeling far from God, miserable in life, I'll say yes because I worship the God of approval. And people lose decades of their life doing this. And they're living someone else's life, not theirs. And what's so ironic about this is we do it to ourselves. We carry that around in our minds. When you're in your 20s, like you live to please other people. When you're in your 30s, you get tired of trying to please them all the time. When you're in your 40s, you realize no one was really thinking about you anyway. They were just thinking about themselves. When you're in your 50s, I mean, you can't even remember their names anymore. This is a very, very important idol. And the Apostle Paul wrote precisely about this. I want you to see the words the Apostle Paul wrote because they come from such a, uh, a convicted place in the battle against this idol. This is what Paul wrote. I care very little 
if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. I care very little, Paul says. I'm not going to bow down before that idol. So what do you need to do to dethrone this idol in your life? Maybe it's clear to you right now, there is a person or a commitment in your life that you need to say no to so that you can say yes to God. And you know who that person or what that commit commitment is. You know that right now, it's in your mind, it's, uh, you're, you're thinking about it right now. Maybe you need to go off and be alone with God somewhere and sometime in the next few days and just go with a journal and just write down the names of the people who you are letting sit in that judge's chair inside of your mind. And then you need to tell them, like ask for God's help with this. You need to tell them that they're not gonna be allowed there anymore. Your life from here on is to be lived to please only one, and that's God. And he's the God of grace. Maybe you need to memorize Paul's statement, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. It is the Lord who judges me. Maybe you just need to write down the words, I care very little if I am judged by you and put that somewhere so that you can see it regularly. So that you're reminded of this moment when you decided to dethrone the idol of approval. That needs to get real deep in your mind and in your heart. All right, there's a third idol. And this idol is symbolized by a padlock because this is the idol of security. And the reality is maybe for you, when you think about your future, you're just scared. You feel like you have to take care of yourself because God is not gonna take care of you. And God gets the leftovers. This idol says you have to try to engineer your own security. You have to ensure the maintenance of your own way of life. You can't really trust that God will take care of you. Of course, it's good to plan wisely for the future. Of course, it's good to work responsibly. But when security becomes an idol, you find that you can't stop worrying. You keep uh, putting in too much overtime. You keep uh, obsessing over the future. You look at your finances and you try to make decisions about your future way too much. Uh, you wear yourself out. You wear your spouse out, you wear your family out, and you can't pray or worship or serve or laugh or play the way that God wants you to. Work and money loom too large in your life, not because you idolize your career, but because you're afraid and you don't trust that God would really take care of you. Jesus talks so much about this. He would say, look at the birds. Like they don't worry, they're not anxious, God takes care of them. He tells about a man who worshiped this idol one time, who devoted all of his time and all of his energy to this. And one day when things went really, really well for this guy, better than they had ever gone before in his life, he said, now I know what I'll do. I'll, big, I'll build bigger barns and I'll store up everything I need. I'm smart enough and clever enough and I've engineered it. Now you'll have plenty of good things laid out for many years, he said to himself. At last, you'll be secure. Do you know what Jesus called that man? You fool, Jesus said. 
Your life is not in your hands. And if you think that you can secure it by being hardworking enough and clever enough and having enough money, if you think that's what security is about, and you think that uh, you're really smart because somehow you can do it, man, it's unspeakably tragic, Jesus said. So what do you need to do to dethrone this idol? Maybe you need to look at your bank account and your financial records and your investments, everything about your financial life and your future and just lay it out and then just pray about it and just submit it all to God. Just tell God, God, I'm trusting you for my future. I'm not gonna sacrifice the way of life that you're calling me to live because I think that I've gotta engineer my security anymore. Maybe you need to get help with some part of your financial life. Uh, get the help that you need. Maybe you need to downsize some part of your budget. Maybe what you need to do to take action to root this out of your life is to spend a little time serving and giving and being around someone who has far less than you and learn from them that you don't have to live your life in anxious slavery because of this idol, because you don't. There are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people around this world who have unspeakably less than you and I do. And they live with quite a sense of freedom and confidence and dependence on God. There are quite a lot of people alive who do that. All right, there's one more idol I wanna talk about today. And this is kind of a subtle one, but it's real important uh, for me to talk about it. The symbol for this idol is a tool belt. Uh, very often in the Bible, we're commanded to do good work. Uh, we're commanded to work at everything the Lord gives us uh, with all of our hearts. The Apostle Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So the tool belt is a picture of working at good things for God. And when it comes to this idol, I'm especially concerned for you if you're heavily involved in serving in the church. I wanna talk real directly for a moment to you if you're deeply committed as a volunteer or if you're a staff member or a board member of the church. Because for you, your life is filled with wonderful activities like doing a lot of good work, uh, doing good things and saying good words, but maybe everything is not well between you and God. And the life that you're inviting other people to live is not the life that you're living yourself. And the truth is, when you stop to acknowledge it, you find yourself tired, you're stretched thin, you're irritable, you're tempted sometimes to get quite cynical or a little bitter. Your soul is not well. And this is a very dangerous thing for a church, especially when it starts to get near the core. There is, I think, a fascinating story in the New Testament. Uh, I'll just summarize it, but it's in Acts 8. It involves a man named Simon the sorcerer who becomes a Christ follower. He became a believer and he followed the disciples around and we're told that he was captivated by the excitement of the ministry. He just marveled at the lives that were changed and the miracles that happened. And he went to Peter and John and he said, I've gotta get in on this. I've gotta be a part of it. I'll do anything. I'll give you my money if I can have this ability, if I can be a real player, if I can be someone who counts in this ministry. And they rebuked him very sharply. Peter said to him, if you don't repent, 
your self-centeredness, your wrong-heartedness will ruin all the good that you say you want to do. You know, there was a lot of good in Simon. He was a genuine believer. Uh, he clearly had quite powerful and charismatic gifts and presence. Uh, he was in community. He wanted to genuinely do good work. He wasn't in it for greed. He said that he was willing to pay to give his money for this. But his problem might be put like this. Simon wanted to be used by God more than he wanted God himself. He wanted the rush and excitement of all this dramatic activity. And he wanted to be in the middle of it. And he wanted to be the one directing it. And he wanted to be known as someone who was working with all of his heart for the Lord. There was this kind of glamour involved in all of this. God alone was not enough for Simon. The truth is at some level in the midst of a lot of other good things in him, it was still all about him. And so Peter rebukes him sharply. And Simon says, pray for me that nothing you have said will happen to me. And that's the last we hear of him in the New Testament. We don't know. Maybe he left at that point. Maybe he repented and prayed. Uh, maybe he led quite uh, a quiet and undramatic life. Uh, we don't know. We actually never hear of him again. Maybe you've been serving in the church for a long time. Uh, you've been running real hard. And the best you could discern it, you're not captive to one of these other idols. But you're running too fast and you're tired and you're overcommitted and you're stretched too thin and you're not living with love. You're not living with joy. And it's possible at a church like this where, you know, we can do things that look so exciting and be, can be so admired. It's possible that you're wanting to be used by God more than you just want God. That can happen to us. It can happen to me. And it's real dangerous because what happens over time is you start using God. You start trying to use him to create the experiences and the excitement and the reputation that you really crave. And part of you is driven to be seen as a real spiritual leader. And then you get hurt or crushed or envious or jealous when it doesn't happen to you or when it happens to someone else. If this is you, you need to pray. God, I don't demand anything of you. I don't demand certain results. I don't demand certain experiences. I don't demand that you use me in some particular way. More than anything else, God, I just want you and I want your kind of life. And I will make it a priority to spend time with you. And I will make it a priority to spend time in prayer and time in your word. And I will trust God that if I live as I know I need to live, working with all my heart as unto the Lord, that you'll use me in ways that you see fit. Well, those are the four idols I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, maybe your idol is one of these. Uh, maybe your idol is the ladder climbing achievement idol. And if it is, I wanna ask you, will you say to God, I'm going to root this idol out of my life and whatever it takes, God, I want you to know that I will not sacrifice my life or my time or my family, my energy in climbing some ladder that will never satisfy me. Maybe your idol is approval. And if it is, will you say to God, God, I'm not going to sacrifice my life anymore. From now on, it's going to be a small thing for me to be judged by any human being. Maybe your idol is security. 
If you find yourself tempted to be overly concerned or worried about the future, will you just say to God, I'm not going to live a crazy, worried, fearful, anxious life because I think somehow I can make myself secure. I really will trust you. I'm going to do what I need to do in my life daily and weekly and monthly and yearly and trust that God will really do what he says he will do. Maybe your idol is your work for God, where ministry can be so visible and so exciting and so glamorous, and you find yourself stretched way too thin. Will you say to God, God, I want you more than I want to be used by you. Maybe the idol that wants to get a hold of you, the one that you know, that you wrestle with, it wasn't named today. It's not one of the four I mentioned today. It's something else, but you know what it is. Will you say to God, God, I'm tearing down this idol in my life. And even though it's going to hurt, I want it rooted out of my life. I will not let it have any more power over me in this life. And I wanna ask you to do just one more thing. And that is to go from here and start living the way that you know Jesus wants you to live. Love God, enjoy your family, watch over your soul and understand you have everything you need to dethrone that idol. Jesus promised it so, and he will help you. All right, let me pray for you. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives that teaches us, that illuminates these truths in our lives so that we can actually do something about it. I pray that we would make decisions today to dethrone whatever idol it is that you've revealed to us today. Maybe it's one of the four I mentioned, maybe it's something else, but you by your Holy Spirit have revealed what our idol is. And so God, I pray that you would help us to do whatever it takes to dethrone that idol from our lives. Help us to make a commitment right now before you that that will no longer be something we idolize and worship and place above you or our family or other more important things uh, that you are calling us to in this life. God, help us to go from here and to uh, put a stake in the ground and live differently by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.